from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. I'm David Strausser. This is Shark Bite Biz, and we're your place to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos. We got another hot show for you all today. You know, a good portion of us are working from home right now where the kids can easily access our work laptop, our devices, our cell phone, whatever it may be. I mean, honestly, I can't tell you how many times my three-year-old was out there button mashing on my keyboard, ended up sending emails and deleting my inbox. I mean, thank God everything was still in the deleted folder because, whoo, Yeah, that would have been a headache. Working from home is tough, and because of that, security is a major issue for most companies. Ransomware, phishing schemes, all of that is on the rise because of us working remotely. There are more security issues now than there were a year ago. And reality is, it does open us up to those new threats that weren't as prevalent a year ago. You have a lot more people that are being successful because we're not inside of our offices. So we're going to chat about business, though, as far as startups, angel investing, practical IT security for small to medium-sized businesses, and most importantly, IT disaster planning. Too many companies do not have an effective disaster plan strategy. Then when something catastrophic hits, you end up losing all of your valuable data. I mean, think about it, okay? Even if you just have your data on a hard drive, it's on your laptop, it's your hard drive. What happens if, God forbid, there's a fire or maybe a theft or maybe just as simple as a disk failing? How much is that data worth to you? I mean, that could be your whole livelihood that just went up in smoke. And really, this day and age, there is no excuse for not having at least some kind of minimal level of protection with some kind of backup strategy, whether it's cloud computing or you're using something like OneDrive or Google Drive or many of the other solutions out there. So that's going to be the major focus of our discussion today. And I bet you're wondering, who is today's guest? Well, it is Brian Gill. Brian is a computer scientist, entrepreneur, and angel investor. Brian currently serves as the chairman of Gillware, which provides cyber risk assessment, data recovery, incident response, and digital forensic services. He is the co-founder of Phoenix Nuclear Labs and served on PNL's board from inception to when it decided to spin off Shine Medical Technologies. Those two companies have raised over $100 million of venture capital and employees hundreds of people in Wisconsin. So without further ado, let's bring in the fabulous Brian Gill on in here. Business strategy. Brian, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. So glad to have you here today, man. David, you're the man. Thanks for having me. No, no problem. No problem at all. So you've seen the show. Very first question. It's a softball question we ask everybody. Uh, who is Brian? What's your experience? What's your background? What do you do for a living? What the heck makes you special? 
Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'm a tech op- entrepreneur, um, mm-hmm. have started a handful of successful tech businesses over the years with some buddies of mine. Uh, currently, I'm the chairman CEO of a company called Gilware Data Recovery, and um, I've been associated with Gilware since we founded it about 18 years ago now. And we basically help people get out of data-related jams. Wow. That's great. Yeah, I, I was kind of assuming that you were a founder of the company. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we, I'm not real creative, so when, when we're trying to think about what should we name it, I just stuck my last name in there. Yeah, your last name, where? You yeah, know, it, pretty it, much. It, it was probably going to end up like Gillify or yeah. Gilware. But <laughs> that sounds horrifying. Better. Gillifying. Yeah. Oh, that would be ter- <laughs> that would have been a terrible decision. Eighteen years of Gillify. Oof. Oh my God. Yeah, that 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 wouldn't be that bad. So you work at disaster recovery for for data disaster recovery stuff like that. That's actually kind of a very important topic right now. You have a lot of companies that are digitally transforming and usually that means you know servers erp more infrastructure it can be a lot of things a lot of different people so how important is this right now for the average company well i mean we're a we're we're a safety net and we see people we see companies and people lose data in a number of different crazy ways and you know the pandemic has certainly made things even more challenging. Um, There's a lot of new threats that are out there. Um, You know, it's really hard to, to keep an organization's or a family's data safe and secure. Um, It's harder than it's ever been. And usually technology makes things easier, but you know, it's been, it's been a crazy year and you know, there's a handful of things like maybe eight that, that if a company does them or if a family does them, you, yeah. you're going to be in really good shape, but it's really, really hard to dot every I and cross every T and stay on top of it, especially when your budgets are depressed and it's like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. we're going to spend money in it right now. Like, Oh yeah. It, it's tough. It's tough. IT and marketing seem to like the two places that a lot of companies like to slice the budget first. Yeah, because, you know, marketing and IT, right? It's like, well, we can rock this equipment for another year. And with marketing, it's like any money I spend to try to raise my brand profile might take 12 mm-hmm. months to, to get benefits of that. So, yeah, you're you're dead nuts, right? You know, it's they are early on the chopping block when, when companies are looking to, to, to batten down the hatches. But then that can lead oh, yeah. to, to incredible expenditures when down things go south. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, one interesting thing that you just said that, that kind of got me thinking in the moment was you said new threats. And people are probably thinking like, oh, well, well, there's always threats. I mean, you always get the emails from the, you know, the guy whose uncle was the prince of Nigeria or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You've been getting those for decades And those are all now. real. I'm here to tell you, apply <laughs> to all of them. Give them all of your information. Yeah, wire, yeah. Give them your social them, security number, credit cards. <laughs> wire them about 10 or 20 grand more than they ask for, and then you get back twice as much. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. You're hearing it from the, the king himself, Ryan Kill. But- this is very sarcastic. Do not sue me. <laughs> yeah, do not do that. That is a joke. So 
what I'm seeing is like we're talking new threats. You've had those old threats that have been around for decades, but there are new threats because we're in a pandemic that's hitting globally. And that means that there's a lot more people in the world that are out of work, that are struggling. And there's more people that are willing to do nefarious things to be able to, to survive. And they could view this as, hey, this is the low hanging fruit that's gonna get me you know, food in the table next week. Yeah, that's definitely true. and. Again, there's a lot of bad state-sponsored actors out there that are behind a lot of the cyber crimes uh-huh. that, you know, their budgets are strong. You know, they're they're yeah. making all kinds of money. They're profit centers. And more than that, the actual, like, kind of topography of, like, where data lives in the uh-huh. last nine months has kind of gotten turned upside down. I think every company in America has more of its stuff kind of outside mm-hmm. its, you know, big firewalls than ever yeah. before. Because, you know, the the executives and the sales team and the CEOs and the marketing people, they're all working from home and they had to spin all this up in a hurry. Like, you know, some of your employees are going to, you know, have some of your critical data and it might be on like the same desktop computer that their, you know, eight-year-old son is playing Minecraft on. You know, it, it's it's a big, big challenge. To, to keep it all straight and, and get everything properly budgeted. And it's, it's nobody's favorite topic. You know, if you're, if you're a carpet cleaning business, the last thing you want to worry about is, is, is your IT stuff. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's the least sexy of all of the different things that, that a normal business needs to worry about. And, you know, it, you know but this is a pay now or pay later situation. We've got to get yeah. our stuff together. Yeah, it's funny that you said that about the the Minecraft, the Euro playing Minecraft. Uh, because of what I do during my day job, I do ERP with Vision Thirty Three for SAP Business One, and you know we deal with servers. I get confidential information. I have all the logins of all our clients, for example, from the from the partner aspect of it. And there's a lot of sensitive materials on our computer that's covered by even just NDAs because maybe it's a secret sauce for one of our customers that they don't want getting out there. Uh, So my son, who's 17, also uh, produces this podcast with me, but he's into gaming, stuff like that. Ever since he moved back in with me about four years ago, I told him absolutely not allowed the game unless you're using a VPN. I do not want you upsetting some random troll out there on the internet. And then next thing you know, they're hacking, getting all my work info from my computer. Well, yeah. And it's even worse than that. I mean, again, as a, as a former gamer, uh, I've got three younger kids now, so I don't game very much, unfortunately, but as you get older, you, you seem to game less, right? It well, still I'm hoping interests that, me, but I don't game that much anymore either. I, I mean, I, I I've seen all the hype around the what's the new, what's the new uh, game that's going to launch? Like, you see that Stadia? Yeah. What's the what's the game that's launching here? Oh, in like Cyber Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk 2077 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I'm all jazzed up looking at the ads, but I will never, I will almost certainly never play it because I just don't I'd know buy where, it where for to find the kids. The time. I'll watch it a little bit. You know, the thing is, is that I have not gamed probably for about 10 years with the exception of Madden football. Okay. Madden football. I I love football. 
Uh, if the Eagles aren't going to win in real life, might as well do it in a video game, right? Well, they got to so, start Jalen Hurts. That's for sure. Yeah, my God. That's a, yeah, we'll talk about that offline. Yeah. But what's gotten me into gaming has honestly been Google Stadia with the cloud gaming and also now Amazon Luna. Because in the press, they were getting, you know, bad raps, whatever. Don't read it. I, I think those people are knuckleheads that really had a negative opinion of it. It's blown me away. And it's bleeding edge tech with some of the stuff that you're doing. I mean, I'm playing a AAA game title, you know, on my laptop. And then my wife's like, hey, you got to go watch the kids outside. So all I do is just launch it here. And I'm playing the same game for my cell phone instantly. There's stuff like that that just blows my mind. And I'm not even playing it a lot, but I'm playing it enough to kind of understand it. Yeah, and just to give you the reason I even talk about it is because um, these bad guys are super duper sneaky, okay? Yeah. Like, I cannot tell you to what extent how sneaky they are, but this is just one example. So let's just say your son who's 17 or maybe two years ago, he was like addicted to Pokemon Go, right? Yeah. And you know, you could get these basically like location emulators for Pokemon. So you could install an app on your iPhone wow. and basically move yourself around like you're in Australia on the beach and get these oh. super crazy Pokemans, right? Now, in order to do yeah. that, you're going to have to essentially put your phone in developer mode because yeah. this is not a, this app is not going to be sponsored by apple it's not going to be yeah. security checked by apple this is a this is an application that you know is again it's for hacking a game and and we also see yeah. these things where it's like i assume it works easier on android yeah it <laughs> probably does but in any case like you know you yeah. side stick install this application because you want to spoof your location for pokemon yeah well what else is in that application well the mm -hmm. people that are writing it are clearly writing it for a reason probably not just for fun and it is kind of by its nature eh, semi-illegal maybe i mean i don't know probably not voiding the pokemon you know terms of service is probably not the end of the world but if you're like installing like a a wares program to like generate you a key so that you can pretend that you bought this game when you really just mm -hmm. downloaded it from some hacker forum well now you install this other pieces of software to generate your key again like this is a bad somewhat of a bad actor who who figured out how to crack this program how to trick it and they're gonna convince your 17 year old son to to download it and and run it on your computer and yeah, what yeah. what else is on there and you don't know and probably some bad stuff and if it's the right type of bad stuff they could be you know installing a key logger on your box they could be yeah. watching you enter your password for your key pass they could be compromising that file that has dozens of your clients most sensitive logins and yeah. it's all because you know a kid put a piece of software on the box yeah so the that's longest, just uh, the weakest link in the chain yeah it, so you know it really is a situation where and that's just one little tiny micro example of, of how this kind of stuff can happen. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a million different arrows and guns pointed in our direction. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of work to do for sure to kind of try to keep everything safe, especially when you're B2B, when you're a vendor and you're like your clients are big companies. Yeah. 
boy, you know, what a, you come into the office and, and get all their data compromised. I mean, you can watch oh, your yeah. business evaporate right overnight. Yeah, I mean, it, it's happened. Uh, so with Vision 33, because of the fact that we do take, we do do ERP, we host them. Oftentimes we're hosting them in the cloud. Usually AWS is what we host them in. But it, it's become that much of a risk for us that we're like, hey, look, we don't want to be responsible. So we actually have our own security officer now who's just in charge of, you know, basically employees, their security, but also our customer servers and stuff like that. Because we have had it where even though they're on a remote server, they may think, hey, look, I'm not doing um, uh, anything bad because it's not on my computer. It's on the remote desktop session. Okay, well, that's actually kind of worse because you're doing it on the remote desktop session that your actual business server is sitting on, you know, the yeah. whole business environment. Well, right. And the, the amount of, well, the amount of just, again, one thing that happened during this pandemic is the amount of open RDP attack mm -hmm. yeah. options increased by about 40%. In about a so month. RDP, just for people not familiar with that acronym, that's remote desktop uh, protocol, I believe, right? Yep. Uh, and you could say remote desktop player, remote desktop connection. Uh, it, it's basically when you're going remoting in, basically you're connecting to another desktop session or another server through your computer. And a lot of companies do that. Say you have a crappy actual desktop computer that's not very powerful. You need to process things in a much powerful, uh, more powerful server system. A lot of times companies will just have you remote into that system then, and that way you work through it remotely. And you know, each one of those points is a vulnerability to get attacked. So like with a ransomware event, I mean, it keeps popping up in the news. Can you kind of explain to our people what that typically is? Because I think everybody yeah. has an idea like, hey, this is vaguely what ransomware means. Explain exactly what it is. Yeah, so exactly what it is. And there's a lot of misconceptions out there. So I'm really, really glad yeah. you asked, David. So what it is, and, and the, the most serious things that we bump into are always network breaches. So yeah. this is not, for the most part, it's not some automated piece of software. You didn't click on the wrong link on a weird website and it didn't encrypt your whole data network. Okay. Usually a user with a certain amount of credentials um, mm -hmm. had their user authentication breached. So they know the username and password for somebody who's got decent network credentials. And what they're gonna do is a couple different things. But the first thing they're gonna do is learn. Yeah. And this is one of the first big misconceptions about how these parties operate. The average amount of time between the original breach and when they pull the trigger on the ransomware event is like three or four months. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not gonna just say like, we got one, let's encrypt David's desktop and we're off to the races. No, 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 no. They're gonna sit there they're going to fully understand who they just compromised. They're going to under, they're going to work hard to figure out where your backups are. And then they're going to work really hard to compromise those backups. 
because they know they're not going to get paid. If, oh, yeah. if you can just restore from your backups, it's going to be hard for them to get paid. And these yeah. are super savvy people that, that breach yeah, I mean, network. Once you have a door that's open, I mean, essentially, it's like, think you're in a, in a hotel with all the rooms and you have locked doors. If you leave one door cracked open because you forgot to put the security lock in it, they get in there, but they're getting in there and they're getting a copy of the master key then for the rest of the hotel. And it's essentially like it's unlocking the rest of the doors. Then they're still closed, okay? But they're all unlocked and it makes it more vulnerable that somebody can get in through, you know, to other parts of the system there. Yeah, and they'll, they'll use obviously computer related tricks, you know, and, yeah. and computer related scripts and they'll plant kind of computing related backdoors, but they'll also use social engineering. Like once they have a mm -hmm. foothold, they might wait till five o'clock on Friday or they might mm -hmm. know because they've looked at your Outlook calendar that you're on vacation the week later. And they, they could even send an email from you to your controller like on Monday, like, hey, something crazy just happened. You know, why are 50,000 over here, please? Oh, yeah. 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 I get uh, I get text from my president uh, about every six months. Uh, hey, David, this is Tony. Uh, I'm in trouble. Can you have accounts wire me twenty five thousand? And, uh, you know, it's it's pretty crazy. I, this goes back to before I even worked for Vision 33. This hack has happened and I still get texts to these days to this day. Yeah, no, they're they're relentless and they're smart. So anyways, they're going to compromise a user. And yeah, and, and this is one of the big problems in, in network security or in computing security is we work really, really hard to make a huge firewall. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of organizations stop there, you know, and they, they don't ask the question, okay, what happens when they breach it? It's like, well, they're not going to breach it. How would they breach it? It's impossible. Right. Right. Like we've got a multi-factor firewall. We patch it. It's, it's good stuff. You know, we work really hard to triple authenticate it against Mac addresses of equipment and IP ranges and, you know, like, and they, that's, they put all their eggs in that basket. Yeah. And then they never ask the question, well, what happens if somebody got David's account? Just what happens? And they don't take those next, that deeper, you know, thought process of network segmentation and yeah. which users can access what and when. And maybe they, maybe you have a honeypot over here, you know, which is like, you know, payroll data or like accounting data. And it's yeah. not. But, you know, if somebody tries to access it, you know, it sends off some alarms. Like, what the heck? Oh, some, yeah. Somebody's in the honeypot. You know, they don't take the time to give their employees like social Payroll info being the honey, the honeypot. I love that. It is. <laughs> well, it is, you know, but it, you got to there's and then again, like, are they paying for like a network monitoring service? You know, like, mm -hmm. it, you know, is why is there somebody already paid from Belarus on the network at three o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. Does that make oh, sense? Yeah. You know, yeah. but if you, if you don't have, if you, if you're not monitoring it, the computer doesn't care. You right. know, it, exactly. Exactly. So let's say you mess up, your employees mess up, your kids mess up, whatever, regardless of whose fault it is, there was a vulnerability and ransomware gets in. Okay. 
your your servers are now being held hostage, okay? Uh, and you have on your screen a, a big red message that says, we have control of your servers and backups. Please buy 10 Bitcoins and send it to this address to be released. I mean, what should you do once an incident like that happens? Well, if if you are playing the long game and paying attention, you're going to have a cybersecurity policy for your small business insurance or your business insurance. And right. what you're going to do is you're going to pick up the phone and call your insurance guy, as crazy as that is, and say, hey, I've been wow. paying for this. I've never thought that. I've been, I've been paying for this cyber insurance for five years, and we're, we just had a hell of a breach. And if you have the right kind of cyber insurance policy from like a Beasley or a Travelers or a Hartford mm -hmm. or one of these big, you know, insurance companies that has put a lot of thought into their cybersecurity package, mm -hmm. then they're going to basically send a fire team to come in on the horses to, to save your ass. And, you know, the company that one of the, we started to see this a lot. That's at, amazing. At so that's what the insurance company that is going to send in a team of experts to try to free you up. If you have the right insurance, they will. And, if you, know, you have the right insurance, though, I mean that's yeah. amazing. I've never, I've never heard of that. I mean, I imagine that you would say companies like Gilware or somebody like that would do it, and they still do, I imagine. But with um, the insurance company, I did not expect that at all. That is pretty awesome, and though, if you have the right coverage. Yeah, but most people don't. Um, yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> we had a like client the, uh, flood insurance. We <laughs> had a client that was a huge healthcare provider, over 500 employees, and they got owned down to the felt. Like every, they had a big virtual server farm. Uh, everything was virtualized. Their backups were all on-prem. Bad guys deleted the backups, encrypted all 83 virtual machines, and that that particular provider, even though they're a massive organization with massive regulatory oversight. Yeah. They didn't I mean, have they a cyber policy. And everything. Yeah, but they did not have a yeah. cyber insurance policy. And, and this is where, and again, everybody, there's a lot of my friends that are, you know, a small business, less regulation, blah, blah, blah. You know, this, yeah. is, this is America and I'm going to shoot a bald eagle if I want. You know, I mean, there's <laughs> a lot of that attitude, which, okay, like, I don't necessarily disagree with some of where that comes from, but yeah. there's a time and a place where at the federal level, we can have some of these regulations and it can actually protect all of us and be a good thing for all of us. And maybe even the federal government should pay for some of it. And, yeah. you know, like every clinic. I think if it's my take on that real quick, we don't get into too much with politics, but I think this is regulation and business advice. I would view that if it's state sponsored, I think the federal government should have some responsibility if you have north korean hackers or you do. russian you government do. hackers doing that that's where you have iranian hackers be. you have north yep. korean hackers you have you know the eastern Bloc of europe you have a, a lot of yep. enemy states and there is a legitimate cyber war going on and yeah they you know these if you're like a small city government up in northern wisconsin mm -hmm. you are not currently receiving a whole lot of help in right. this fight. And if you're some, you know, you're the mayor and you got like eight people on staff and you have like all the social security numbers for everybody for like a town of 10,000 people, you're mm -hmm. a target. 
you're you're a big yeah. target and you don't necessarily have like a, a phone number you can call at the federal government for them to to send in the cavalry and or and even that's, better that's to help horrible. fund the prevention which would be better and, and, you know again you know when we get into things like this these are things that affect us these are things that affect small businesses and are a risk because small business is the heart and soul of america and i mean i i see stories about amazon about google facebook having to fight off state-sponsored hackers and stuff and on one hand i'm like well they got enough money to do that but on the other hand I mean, it's basically a digital war, like you were saying, and that's where I think that there does need to be official government. I think we're we're behind the curve on protecting our citizens and our businesses against digital threats. We certainly are, and, and I kind of go back, when I first got out of college, it was right before the Y2K boom. And like, oh, why, yeah. you know, the, 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 you know, the earth was going to end and two digit dates were going to roll over and dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, the whole thing. I you went know. to an ATM hoping that it spewed out cats. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, well, I was, again, I was so, 17 at the time. So the SEC and a whole bunch of other government regulators said, hey, listen, like if you're if you're in financial, if you're a financial institution, you actually mm-hmm. have to dig up all that code that you wrote in the 60s and you have to update it for four dates and we're going to come in and we're going to audit it and if you don't if you don't pass your audits we're going to shut you down and for the first time in about like 25 years a lot of these old stodgy financial banks and you know mutual fund companies said okay i i guess we're spending money and they hired a bunch of programmers and we all came in and we all fixed it and I think it is serious enough where if we weren't going through a global pandemic, which is a whole nother tier of problem, you know, I I think if we weren't going through that, we would quite possibly be doing more at the federal government level to, to not just regulate the way that businesses act, but yeah, like every, any business with more than 50 employees, like you should have a multi-factor firewall. You should have your data backed up in an MFA capable manner you know you should show us a mock restore of all your data once a year or once every other year like something because doesn't, i mean I, i'm just thinking out loud here but doesn't like the department of homeland security or anybody have a cyber division that's dedicated oh, to yeah. helping american businesses they are and, and again in my opinion they're mostly firefighting right now like i had a client right. I had a client call to engage us because the FBI called them and said, Hey, there's a bad guy in your network. Oh, wow. You know, because the, the bad guy or the FBI was monitoring a whole bunch of known bad actor IP addresses and ranges, mm-hmm. and they could see the traffic hitting it. And then they looked up the DNS and they said, okay, it's this business. And the FBI picked up the phone and called them and said, yeah, you got a bad actor on your network right now. So they are, they're trying, but they're dramatically understaffed. Right, like, right. It's not even close. Like, we need probably like another hundred-ish thousand of these security mm-hmm. professionals at the federal government level, and we're that's again my personal opinion. We're probably a hundred thousand, maybe fifty to a hundred thousand mm-hmm. people short. And if we had them and the federal, they're on the federal government's payroll and they're running around helping everybody, that could be awesome. 
Right, right. So, you know, back to the the heart of that last question. Then, let's say this stuff happens. I mean, what should yeah, be your immediate action? So, again, let's just finish the first thought. So, what all happens? So oh, the yeah, bad guys, ahead. they they're gonna delete or encrypt your backups because every yeah. you know you thought you had a backup, and they're not gonna pull the trigger on the ransom until those backups are dealt with. And right. if they're if if they're not air gapped you know, you might have a real problem on your hands with, with oh, yeah. utilizing those backups. So then they're going to encrypt starting at the most critical stuff, like that relational database mm -hmm. of your 50,000 clients mm -hmm. and your company share, your accounting share, your, your HR share, your engineering mm -hmm. design share. They're going to just start picking off and encrypting, fully encrypting with legitimate big boy encryption all of your most critical <laughs> stuff with a unique Big boy encryption, <laughs> a unique certificate. Like you're going to need one of those, you know, Chinese, you know, quantum computers to, to basically unhack your own stuff. I mean, it's in reality, I mean, are you talking like 256? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 28? Yeah. It's two to the power of two to the yeah. power of 256 is a really big number. You mm -hmm. know, it, it's a, it's a, it's all the computing power on earth 10 years ago for like a couple thousand years. And again, things yeah. are moving and, and there are some quantum computing things happening and, you know, computers are getting faster, continue to get exponentially faster, actually. So, again, AES-256 might not be good enough forever. Um, right. And, and, you know, it'll be two to the power of 1024 at some point. But it's yeah. there's a lot of combinations to that safe. And, the the you know, you're going to have a note that says, hey, you're going to have to pay. And the other thing that's growing exponentially is not just the threat, but the amount of money that these guys want. Um, yeah. You know, when we were starting to bump into this a lot, like maybe six years ago, we'd see ransom demands for like 5,000, 10,000, $25,000. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's, it's gotten to the point where they learn a lot about the company and mm -hmm. they're going to price it super effectively. And, yeah. you know, if you're a 500 person hospital and they know that they've encrypted all of all your medical records and all your billing and all your. They have control. They have it. And they're going to want five million dollars. Are they mostly asking for uh, dollars or are they asking for Bitcoin or is it? Yeah. All over? Yeah. So this is another one of the technologies that, again, is a, is a good technology, but cryptocurrency in general um, is, you know, Bitcoin is kind of pseudo anonymous by nature. It's an open mm -hmm. ledger. Everybody can see the money going back and forth between wallets, but nobody really knows, you know, who owns that wallet unless they were dumb enough to, you know, mm -hmm. register it at an exchange or something, in which case they're going to know exactly who that is. And they're going to kick down the proverbial door. Um, mm -hmm. But again, so with, with cryptocurrency, you have this instantaneous payment where there's no takesies backsies. You can't mm -hmm. go back to the ledger and say, just kidding. Once that transaction goes, it's gone. And the bad guys really, really like that. It's at least pseudo anonymous, if not fully anonymous. Like there's other variants of cryptocurrency, right. but with the amount of, you know, dollars that these bad guys want, they really need a cryptocurrency ecosystem where it's easy ish to acquire $5 million worth of Bitcoins. Right. You know, some of these smaller, you know, cryptos are not quite up to snuff, you know? Right. Right. But anyways, they're going to demand it. Yeah. And then you're going to be stuck with a pretty bad 
a lot of different bad decisions. Oh yeah. And you're going to, again, if you have the insurance policy and you have the right coverage amount, maybe the insurance company is facilitating a team of firefighters to actually make that payment and get those keys and get your stuff. So those, those firefighters, will they actually make the payments in some cases, or are they going to be evaluating to see if there's a way to, to fix it? Both. Uh, You know how that works? A lot of, yeah, sure. So again, the company, so five, six years ago, we started to bump into this a lot. We started a company called Mm -hmm. Tetra defense to, to focus on it specifically. And, um, that company is, um, they're kind of all over the place, but they're headquartered here in Madison, Wisconsin. And um, we started it again, like five, six years ago. It's up to over, I think there are about 80 employees right now. And okay. about about 70 of them are firefighters. You know, wow. they are, they're internet security experts. And yes, mm-hmm. like when they, when a company hires Touch or Defense, they're going to, they're going to help with the with the whole thing they're going to help with the you know the stress of who's all happening they're going to help with figuring out how the bad guys got in they're going to help figure out whether or not the data was exfiltrated or stolen Uh, they're going to work with a privacy council to on all the different disclosures that this company is going to have to do whether that's to a federal regulator or all your employees Mm -hmm. or at this point i think all of us have gotten like that note in the mail that said, hey, your yeah. data got breached. If you want oh, to buy, yeah, yeah. We'll buy a LifeLock for a year. Thanks for that. Yeah. So <laughs> question though, if, yeah, in fact, I currently have LifeLock, I think for free because of that. But <laughs> if, Sad. if, yeah. So let's just say it comes down to like, you're not getting your stuff. They got it locked pretty good. They have you. Uh, you essentially have two choices then. One would be pay the ransom. Two would be just go out of business. Uh, are there or, more yeah, options? Or, yeah, I mean, sometimes they have like an air gap backup from like three months ago and it's like, it's not quite out of business, but okay. you know, imagine being a hospital and you know, you've got mm-hmm. you know tens of millions of dollars in medical billing data. Like, oh, okay, yeah. I, guess, I guess we don't know who owes us money. I guess we don't know what to charge, you know, Medicare. I mean, it's, right. it's a bad, bad situation. Bad situation. Um, but, I mean, there, there could be lights. I mean, how often, if you pay the ransom, how often are they then actually unlocking excellent. it compared to... Excellent question. That yeah. is a question that is shows your mental acuity. That is an excellent question. Um, the answer is it's in their best interest to cough up the keys because that's exactly what I was thinking. Because otherwise, these no criminal these criminal syndicates have a reputation, mm-hmm. and they they want to deliver award winning customer service. They really do, <laughs> and and they they want it well known that if you pay the X Y Z bad guys because they all have you know when they get you they tell you who they are, you know? right. And we're the X, Y, Z bad guys. And, you know, they want you or whoever is working with you, like to, to be able to know, like, hey, the last mm-hmm. 67 times we paid these guys, they coughed up the keys every single time. Or, you know, what? that one Has time. Has there been times where they don't pay? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's, well, sometimes what happens is they kind of disappear. So, oh. 
you know, there's a, from the time you get ransomed, I mean, there's stuff going on. Like, Oh yeah. They, they may, they may, the server that contains all their, you know, encryption certificates and all their, their user database. Yeah. Maybe that gets compromised by, you know, somebody at a, at a government criminal investigation level rival hacking agency maybe a rival hacking agency hacks it i mean these guys we've seen that before it's it's almost ludicrous but we saw one where we paid a ransom and the guy came back and said ah my email got hacked that you paid the wrong people oh wow wow so what did they do they pay again uh yeah i think so i think they negotiated Oh, they did, wow. they, 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 they did end up paying again, but it's like, Hey, you know, like everybody knew like this AOL account was the, was the account where the, these bad guys were, you know, notifying people. That's insane. And, That's insane. and somebody hacked that account, waited for somebody to say, Hey, I need my stuff. And they're like, okay, wire 50 grand over here. You do that. And then bang, the bad guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Let's let's. I want to ask you this question. This is a little bit off to side road, but have you ever seen the videos on YouTube? As far as there's a couple dedicated channels to where they specifically look for these types of companies, whether it's the tech support people that are trying to hack take over your computer, or it's possible ransomware. This one's more with people that are fishing for people that they're contacting. Have you ever seen any of those? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a few of those. Yeah. I, I, I watch those videos and I love them. I love watching like Kit Boga and stuff like that. It's entertaining yeah. for me. Yeah. No, I mean, it's in a, you know, obviously for me, you know, I pretty much wake up every day and, and talk to a couple dozen mm -hmm. companies that are, are going through something pretty bad. And, a couple dozen. Wow. Well, I mean, that's just so that's that like even on the recovery side, even just traditional disasters, you know, I mean, there's there were floods in, in Iowa a while back mm -hmm. and, you know, massive storms and, you know, lightning strikes and fires from out west. And, you know, there we see that data loss happens not just because of bad guys. And, you know, uh, I will definitely talk to probably mm -hmm. 20 kind of normal disasters and then two or three really crazy, you know, maybe ransomware related or ex-employee or employee related malfeasance, you know, on a daily basis. And that's just me. I mean, over at Tetra yeah. Defense where they, you know, they probably take, I mean, 50 inquiries a day, probably. I mean, if I had yeah, to guess. Yeah. So I really love this, this discussion because it's, you know, it's something I work with, with our tech, our ERP, but it's of an interest and passion of mine as well, too. I do want to change gears because we got to get wrapping up here. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you something else that you're big in is startups, angel investing, and with the, you know, we got this global pandemic right now. You may have heard about it, but uh, how hard has that made it for investments, judging investments? Have people been nervous with that? Because who knows how bad the pandemic will be in two months from now. What's the thoughts around that? I mean, most of the people that I, I know that are kind of in the angel and the VC communities mm -hmm. are 
just incredibly bullish right now. I mean, wow. Yeah, I, I would have expected a little bit more. Certainly, uh, it's changed some things, and the, the right. VPs and the angels maybe they have a little bit more leverage than they had a year ago when they're trying to negotiate, you know, what percentage of the company they're going to get mm-hmm. for a certain investment. Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, I, I think that obviously the stock market has been going insane. And yeah. I think there's a lot of smart I'm surprised, money. Surprise! Surprise with how the stock market is. I mean, you're sitting around thirty thousand, and yeah, yeah. you know, it just keeps going up. It does make me a little nervous. I mean, with everything that's going on, the unemployment right now, the pandemic. Is it you know smoke and yeah? Mirrors, I mean, again, I, is I, it I'm real? Not a, you know, I think it's it's elevated. I mean, I, I think that the average PE ratio or something is around 24. And I, yeah. I think most, uh, most companies probably deserve to be around like 16 or 17 based on their normal growth curves. So again, the, the market is a little, a little elevated right now, but there's, there are companies that are doing amazingly well this year. And yeah. a lot of those companies are in that small group of companies that are in that S&P. Um, yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know, it, sense. when it comes down to it, though, there are there is a lot of smart money that's not that is going to take money out when the the stocks are at these levels. But then the mm-hmm. thing is, like, where are they going to put it with inflation going right. crazy? So you have to remember, mm-hmm. like, it's I don't I don't care what the official number is, but everything's twice as expensive as it was 10 years ago. Oh yeah, I'm sure somebody will argue that no, inflation's been steady at four percent, and it doesn't doesn't seem that mm-hmm. way to me. Seems yeah. that everywhere you look, everything's more expensive. And as running a business, everything I yeah. do is more expensive. Healthcare is yeah. twice as expensive. Everything's twice as expensive as it was. And you know, when I uh, you know you look at like the cost of like an ounce of silver, which for oh, yeah. years, for decades, was like eight bucks, nine bucks, thirteen bucks. I mean, I think it's above thirty now. And it's because inflation's going crazy. So if you have a ridiculous mm-hmm. amount of money, because you're one of these VCs or you're managing, yeah. you know, lots and lots and lots of money, it's a you have to put it somewhere. You really yeah. do. And do you want it to be in maybe a slightly overinflated stock market right now? Do you want to put it mm-hmm. in commercial real estate? No. <laughs> maybe not. Like everyone's working yeah. from home. Maybe some of us like it. Like, so like where traditionally would you put your money? And the idea of vetting a bunch of small technology companies or other types of startups and parking it for five or seven years, then that's a, it could be a good way to ride out some of this mess or diversify. So yeah, yeah, I think in general, and there's also a lot of people who had their lives turned upside down. Oh yeah. And you know, when you lose a job, and whatever niche you're in is struggling and you've sent off your 50th resume and you haven't gotten an interview, well, maybe you're like, screw it. I'm going to start that company because why not? What's the risk? If you don't have a risk, you're just going to sit around? Might as well try it. You're absolutely, absolutely correct. I mean, sometimes... In moments like these, it really desperate times pushes people to innovate. For me, 
that's how I went with the podcast. I was pushed into a corner. How am I going to meet people? How am I going to continue to learn? And it was, hey, I'm going to launch Shark Bite Biz finally. Something that I had the idea for over five years with, but I just never did it because I went to ulterior routes to do things. And now I ended up launching this and this business line for me. And I'm sure that there's a lot of other people. I was, you know, we had uh, uh, Z, Zealot Lopez on the show, and she launched a whole new practice for her therapy stuff uh, during this. And, you know, there's a lot of people like that. And if you're going to take risks like that, I mean, right now is probably a pretty decent time to do it. Probably a great time to do it. I think yeah. when we look back five years from now, we're going to see that there were thousands of companies in this pandemic yeah. year that were founded that, that were founded. are, are going to be amazing. Yeah. Okay. So uh, very last question to wrap up. Okay. How can Gilware help companies be prepared for digital intrusions? Yeah. I mean, so again, um, the number one thing is there's a million things and mm -hmm. you have to start somewhere and there is a blog and I'll share the link with you that we wrote. And again, this is more for like SMB or consumers. It's just eight things you can do. It's to increase your security in like two hours. I don't think anything on there costs more than a couple hundred bucks at the most. So again, if you're running mm -hmm. a small business, you could spend like less than a thousand bucks and probably be a whole lot better than, than you are right now. It's free. It's ungated. We're not capturing any info. You just download the damn thing and and read it and again it's it's not a if if you as the entrepreneur or the board member or the c-level executive if you're not going to take the time to understand this stuff so that you can at least properly budget it you right. know then who's gonna mm -hmm. you know and and when that company burns to the ground because you lost your biggest client because you lost their data to the wind and they terminated your yeah. contract. I mean, do you want to be, you want to like, yeah, I was on the board of, you know, Enron. It was great. You know, I mean, that's, <laughs> it's not, it's not a great look. So no, you know, definitely no. there's, a, there is a lot to do, but all of it is pretty well known and can be achieved. And as a non-technologist, you just need to learn more than you know right now. And you need to yeah. properly budget it and and take it seriously. It's 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 more of an attitude thing. Because oh, yeah. if you're not careful, you're gonna have listened to this podcast and you're like, oh geez, I'm getting a little nervous. And then nothing <laughs> happens. You, yeah. you gotta go do something. Yeah. Otherwise you're gonna be a client. You know, it, it it's just like the yeah, like, for example, people will be talking about the um, diversity, things like that with companies. It comes down to like your recruiting plan and how you actually recruit to, to build upon that culture and the company culture and stuff. And it's the same way that you can look at from, you know, the tech side of things. What's your actual plan to keep your business safe? How are you backing things up? What security procedures are you having? I can't stand MFA, but I also understand it because it's a good thing. It's a minor have. it's a minor inconvenience that is a necessity to keep your user profile out of the wrong hands. Yeah. And you're keeps you're, my wife out of my Facebook account. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, you're dead That's nuts correct. <laughs> you're dead nuts correct on on how you were mentioning earlier. It, we as executives will sometimes be super passionate about our core skill set, mm-hmm. and we'll be pretty passionate about building the culture of our business. Yeah. And we got to get a little bit passionate about making sure we got the right IT staff and we got the right managed service provider. And yeah. we got to be asking them tough questions. Right. There has to be a level of accountability between mm-hmm. IT and the C-level executives. And you can't just hire an IT guy and put your head in the sand anymore. Because mm-hmm. as much as I love the IT community, um, there's a there's a lot of really understaffed and not educated enough IT folks out there that are frankly just trying to get by that they run a little MSP and they've got like 27 clients and they're kind of half-assing everything because their clients don't want to pay for anything and they're just kind of getting by. And, you know, if you're not careful as a business owner and if you don't ask them, Hey, send me over our last backup audit. Yeah. Send me the paperwork. The last time you did a mock restore of all my systems, show me that my accounting data was current. How is that backed up? Is that, is that MFA to get into those backups or can any idiot log into it and push the delete button? You know? Wow. That that's some pretty solid questions right there. I know when I do ERP sales, I think obviously it's a different product, but I think this still applies to what you're talking about. And that is, I tell everybody there's two ingredients to this, well, I guess three ingredients for success, okay? One, you've got to pick the right software. It's got to be the right software solution that fits your needs, but you also need two other things. Uh, The second one is the implementation company. The company that's actually doing the implementation has to be the expertise, the people that are really guiding you, because if you don't have the right software solution, but you have the right services company, things aren't going to work, you know, same way as if you have, um, you know, the greatest software, but that service implementation company doesn't work. I mean, it's still going to be a failed implementation. And then number three is obviously the, the corporate executive owner buy-in from your side and having that push from the top down. You mix all three of those ingredients together and they're all equally important to get success. And that's, I think, the same thing with what you're talking about. I mean, yeah. you have, need to have that buy-in. You need to have the, the right managed services provider. And then whatever software, hardware, whatever it may be, has to be the right solution stack as well. Yeah. And again, you need that same level. You know, if you're going to be successful in anything, you have to have accountability. And uh-huh. there's got to be, because it's easy to say, yeah, you know, David, we got this on lock. You know, we're yeah. your IT company and, and we keep everything safe. It's like, well, how? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, you have to at least arm yourself with five or six questions and really kick the tires on those guys and make sure that. What they're telling mm-hmm. you is true because you don't want to find out after the breach. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, hey, this has been amazing. This has been very informative. I think we went a little bit uh, deep, but just enough to give people a realistic look of, you know, understanding how all this stuff works. It was excellent. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for coming on here. How can people reach out to you? 
Yeah, so LinkedIn's my social media choice. So just, uh, you know, Google for Brian Gil Gilwer on LinkedIn. I'll pop right up and uh, I connect with just about everybody. So. Oh, just about everybody except me. No, I'm kidding. I, 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 think, I think we're connected, but otherwise, let's, yeah, no, we'll we're remedy connected. that. We'll remedy yeah, that. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, obviously, if you've lost data in a traditional manner, your laptop mm -hmm. started clicking, you dropped your cell phone in the ocean or what, toilet or wherever, you know, uh, Gilware Data Recovery, we fix that equipment and get you your own stuff back. And uh, if you're a mid-sized company looking for advice to stay out of these jams, that's tetradefense.com. You can reach out to those folks. Okay, perfect. Hey, thank you so much. This has been awesome. And I, I'd say once this pandemic ends and stuff like that, next year, love to have you come back. Hopefully it's next year. Love to have you come back here and kind of give us a security update, how everything yeah. is at that point. I, I would love that opportunity. And thanks for this yep. one. Oh, no problem. No problem. Thank you again, man. Take care. Right. Thanks. Yep. Wow, incredible discussion. Brian was amazing. First, okay, you know their routine by now. We're trying to build a community of like-minded folk that want to learn how to grow professionally, learn how to grow personally, learn how to grow their businesses. So please do us a favor, smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. And if you really want to help us out, Please make sure you share this video out. Share this episode of Shark Bite Fizz out to your network. And let's get Brian Gill, Gilware, and Shark Bite Fizz trending. So let's get back to Brian, okay? I love what he said early on in the beginning of this interview. It's really hard to dot every I and cross every T. But there are a few steps you can do to give you at least a minimal level of security. Like he also said, you know, technology is around to make our lives easier. But with that ease, there comes risk and you must protect yourself and your business in order to take full advantage of it. I kind of view it like a trade-off, to be honest. I mean, my opinion is, is that, yes, you can get automation. Yes, you can have correct inventory levels synchronized across all your omni-channel platforms, but you do need to protect the integrity of that data, and that does come at a cost. Remember, hackers are not only smart, but they are relentless. They don't give up, okay? They'll try for months, even years. One of the most important questions you can ask is, what happens if our stuff is breached? Like we were saying, Payroll is the honeypot. Network segmentation is a pretty simple to do, but you know, make sure that you're giving correct authorizations to your team members so that you can ensure somebody isn't on the network in an area that they shouldn't be. Also, it was a crazy story that Brian told us, so you should really think about it, but they had a customer that got the ransomware on their network. They ended up paying for the ransomware, but the hacker who hacked them was hacked and they paid the ransom to the wrong hacker. And I mean, wow, that's mind blowing. But again, this stuff could have potentially been avoided. You can't avoid everything, okay? Eventually it may happen to you, no matter how good you are. I mean, it is a reality, but network security, data integrity are two areas you should really take seriously and going back to what i mentioned just a minute ago from brian 
Think about what happens if you do get breached. What does that mean? And work from there. You can think about it that the hackers, the you know bad actors out there, they are going to go the path of least resistance. Unless you have a ton of money, you know, something that is super valuable for them, like hacking somebody like a Google or the U.S. government or some other government agency or big, huge multinational corporation, okay, they're usually going to use the, the path of least resistance. So if you do have a good security or a pretty decent security in measures in place, okay, chances are they're going to be like, ah, Let's just go to the next one. And they're going to look for the next victim, okay? And they're going to skip over you protecting your business. So put those steps in place. Go back. Check out Brian's site. We're going to have two links down there in the description. And really, this video was awesome. It was really fun. What did you think? Have you ever experienced ransomware? Tell us down below in the descriptions and explain to us how you got out of that sticky situation. Lastly... Do you want to be a guest on the show? Do you have a good business story to tell about how your business pivoted during COVID? If so, shoot me an email, david at sharkbitebiz.com. There is a little bit of a wait, but we do want to get every single person we can out there on this show. As always, remember, I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Biz, and we'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story.